All right, First Baptist Naples, let's open up our Bibles together to Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, it is so great to be back at First Naples and to be a part of this exciting time in your church history. Uh, I got to, this past week, hang out with the future, the church of the future of this church, and if I can just tell you something, the best is yet to come. God is on the move through your students. Yeah, we can thank God for that. Y'all can shout me down a little bit. I promise you, if you say amen a couple times, if you give me a you know, shout down or say, you know, keep going, preacher, I promise you I'll preach shorter. Hey, be careful with that one, okay? Uh, God did some amazing things this past week at camp. I've barely got a voice, so I pray that God gets me through these three sermons this weekend in the name of Jesus, but I got some water close by and some cough drops, been throwing those down all day. And uh, this is God's voice in and through God's servant this weekend anyway. So I'm just gonna let him take over as we jump into the word of God together. Our students learned how from Ephesians, uh, from Philippians chapter one, how to strive on the mission, strive for Jesus, strive with the church, and strive to the end. And as I prayed about coming to preach God's word to you, um, I decided to come and preach a message that, just to be real with you, is a message that I needed to preach to myself. God has taken both of us on quite a journey since last I was with you. I was here in January of 2019 at the Missions Conference, and uh, God definitely has done a few things in your life, and he's done a few things in my life as we have served the Lord in Pittsburgh. It was a great honor for me to plant a church in the city of New Orleans in 2008, and then after serving God faithfully in that city for years, God called me and my beautiful family who's with me here. Uh, this is Annabeth and Bolt and Mac and Burke and McCall, and we're having a blast. I don't know who your senior pastor is going to be in the future, but I will tell you after enjoying last night some Seagate beach time and a sunset, uh, if you guys wouldn't mind, would you invite me in January or February back to your church? There's this stuff called snow in Pittsburgh. It's really cold. And around that time is when I need me some Seagate beach, okay? Uh, family, can we say Amen. Amen. All right, so my family's all in on that. Hey, let's jump into God's Word. I know that for your VBS focus, our kids of Naples locked in on the armor of God. And I just kind of felt like maybe you adults should get a little taste of it too. Um, the Lord has been doing some things since we were last together, and it's been an amazing thing. You got a little glimpse of what God has done in the city of Pittsburgh as we came into that city, and God very quickly established uh, one church in two different locations, and then I don't know if y'all heard about this down here, but this thing called COVID hit the world and uh, changed a few things, cleansed a few things. Uh, with the cold on top of COVID, it was quite the beast for me and my family. And as we came out of that specific season in 2020, the Lord led me into the armor of God. I had preached on the armor of God in the city of New Orleans when I was a pastor in that city, and I had done a four-week series. 
I kind of went into this series not knowing how long I would go. I lasted 10 weeks on these 10 verses. So I want you to know I got a lot to preach on. They promised me that we're gonna order dinner tonight. So you guys just sit tight. We'll probably go about five hours if you are okay with that. No, I'm gonna kind of succinctly preach this 10-week series in one sermon. And let's jump in. I truly believe that uh, even though you guys are on the edge of stepping into a new season with a new leader, God has given you everything you need right now in Christ Jesus to give him victory and glory in this world. And the key to that is found right here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 11. Let's read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, first of all. God's word says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, there's a number of things that we want to lock in on this one verse, and then we're gonna have fun breaking down all 10 of these verses. Um, but when it says, put on the whole armor of God, we're going after God and his presence here. We're not asking for God to give us something that's um, distinct from God. No, this is God, and we're asking for the whole armor, not just one piece. We need every single piece of this armor to be in our lives to fight God's battles. And then it goes on, it says, so that you may be able, anyone thankful for the guarantee we have in Christ Jesus? That there's not like, so that, let's see how this works and good luck. No, so that you may be able, because our God is able, amen? And so that you may be able to stand against. We're gonna talk a little bit about that. Um, we're never called to chase the enemy. We're called to hold our ground. Why? Because a mighty fortress is our God. The enemy would love for us to leave this place, right, and go down to where he is. The mission of the church is to stand firm, to stand against. You're gonna see this over and over in this passage on the armor of God. And then it says to stand against the schemes of the devil. To stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, I'm sure you've heard this, First Baptist Naples, but God does have a plan for your life. I hope you know that. This church believes that. Let me be real seeker-friendly here tonight. Satan has a plan for your life. It doesn't say that we are to stand against the randomness of the devil. No, we're standing against the schemes of the devil. So much like God desires a plan for your life, Satan is scheming. He is whiteboarding every single day a plan to rob, to steal, to kill, and to destroy each and every one of you. I think half the battle is just knowing that there's a battle. And may I submit to you, First Baptist Naples, I know you've been through quite a battle here, and uh, I've been through quite a battle in Pittsburgh, and just because we're starting to see numbers drop, and just because there's a new pastor coming, I want you to know that I truly believe, First Naples, that you are on the verge of revival here in this city. And if you are on the verge of revival, can I just tell you, Satan ain't sitting back and saying, have fun. We're called to stand against the schemes of the devil. 
This is all about fighting God's battle with God's equipment, God's way. Church, look at me. We need to fight God's battles. Some of y'all are possibly losing your minds right now on Facebook, fighting battles you have no business fighting. I'm not interested in wasting my time fighting my battles or mama's battles or my country's. If God hadn't told me to fight it, I don't want to do it. I want to fight God's battles. I secondly want to fight God's battles with God's equipment. We're going to talk about the equipment that he's given to us. I don't want to step out and fight in these battles with my equipment, my way, my power. Are you crazy? I want God's equipment. But thirdly, I want to fight it God's way. God never gives us all these things in Christ Jesus and then says, hey, have fun. No, we learned this past week at student camp. We're called to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. 100%, we surrender to the way of the Lord. So when he gives us the sword of the Spirit, we don't do that or activate that our way. No, we do it God's way. So what I want to do here is I want to remind us of something before we get too crazy about the enemy. May I assure you, First Baptist Naples, that in Christ Jesus, we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory, amen? We fight from victory. Listen to these victorious declarations in God's word. John 10.10 says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. James 4.7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 1 John 4.4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the the world. I'll shout you down, Lord Jesus. Amen. Praise God. You are greater. 2 Thessalonians 3.3. But the Lord is faithful. You're not faithful. I'm not faithful. The Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Luke 10, 19, behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Romans 8, 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Come on, church, give Jesus Christ a shout of praise. In Christ Jesus, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. But man, Satan might win some battles. Anybody willing to admit you've come in here today limping because you're losing a battle? I know I'm willing to admit it. I'm thawing out down south here after one of the most challenging seasons of ministry in my entire life. For me and my family, that sunset on Seagate Beach last night, that was not just some sort of thrill. We were enjoying fresh air, thanking God for a break. And I gotta believe that there's maybe one or two people here today that you would admit, you know, Pastor Rob, I'm in a battle too. I'm struggling. It's relentless. The enemy has been scheming so many things against me. 
Isn't it great to know? We might lose some battles. We cannot lose the war. Isn't it great to know that a mighty fortress is our God? That our God is faithful? So God dials up for us here through the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus four very important challenges around the armor of God. I want you to take some notes. This moment right now is not for this moment. This is an easy moment to fight the battle. Come Tuesday, you might need this. So take some notes, plus when you take notes in church, you look holier than your neighbor, and that's the point of church. That's why I go to church. I just want to look holier than everybody else. Challenge number one, be strong. Everybody say, be strong. Tell that to your neighbor on the left that just fell asleep. Be strong. God's word says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. That word finally, that's right there, it's much like the word you'd find in scripture, like therefore, it's a transition word. Because Paul's been saying a number of different things. And I know for some of you, you've even heard that we're in the armor of God and you've immediately turned me off because you're like, you know, Pastor Rob, the armor of God is only for those super Christians, for those pastors, for those missionaries who would dare move to the foreign country of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And so I know that this isn't for me, but I'll listen to you. And may I submit this to you? Paul shares with us something very important because if you rewind in the text before this word, finally, Paul talks about where the real battleground is. And do you know where the real battleground is? The real battleground is at home and in the workplace. For Paul has just talked about living for Christ, fighting the battle, at home and in the workplace. That's where the real battles are being won or lost right now. And so this finally, he declares, be strong. When I preached this first message, I felt like, just being honest, all of Satan and his demons were trying to destroy our church. And I was so tired when we kicked off the Armor of God series that I decided to, instead of preach, which I love, you know, pitching a fit on stage and I love yelling, but I decided to sit on a stool because I was so exhausted. And God reminded me in my preparation of what this verse says. This verse does not say, finally be strong. This word says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen? The gospel of Jesus Christ is not you can and you will. The gospel of Jesus Christ is you can't, but Jesus did. And because Jesus did, now you can. That's the gospel. I'm so thankful for the power of the gospel right away. This isn't for a super Christian. This is for someone who's hurting, who's weak, who can't go on. And I'm so thankful that when I am weak, he is strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. God will never call you to the what without the who. Without the who. Be strong. Number two, stand against. 
Now tell your neighbor on the right, stand against, wake him up. Stand against. Let's look in the text here, verse 11 and verse 12. We've already read verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Let's talk a little bit about standing against. Once again, Paul repeats this over and over, that our play is not to chase after, it's not to run after, it's to stand against. And so we need to receive his presence to put on the whole armor of God. We need to trust his proclamation so that you may be able, and then we need to execute his plan, which is standing against the schemes of the devil. Now, throughout my life when I have experienced spiritual warfare, I'll never forget the demonic activity that was in me and my wife's house 13 years ago. My oldest son is 13, which is the age of the first church that I planted in New Orleans. I'll never forget returning home from a late night meeting, and when I came home, there was a demonic presence in my son's room tormenting my son. And I don't know if you got taught how to deal with this, but seminary failed miserably. They hadn't taught me how to cast out a demon. And I did the only thing I knew to do in that moment as we were establishing this new church. I jumped on top of my son's crib and I yelled out the name of Jesus. And immediately that presence left our room and my son went back to sleep. This enemy is real. And in different moments of spiritual warfare, I didn't so much believe in some of this supernatural spiritual warfare that's talked about in verse 11 and verse 12. This is not a physical battle. This is a spiritual battle. Until I planted a church in New Orleans, until I tried to plant a church now in Pittsburgh, I've found this. We should never pray for persecution. But we should at some level be comforted when we have persecution. Why? Because I found this, when you get on team Jesus and you truly follow God's way, you immediately become a threat to the enemy and what he's trying to do. And he sends everything your way. If you're going through life right now and you're not experiencing some sort of resistance from the enemy, it could be possible that Satan has dubbed you a water boy for the kingdom of God. Satan wakes up and he's like, I'm gonna let that person remain as they are because they ain't gonna do anything anyways. But the moment you put on the helmet and the pads and you get in the game, I've been the chaplain for the New Orleans Saints the last 11 seasons. Drew Brees has never called me in before chaplain said, hey, Pastor Rob, I gotta show you something. This past year on film, this past week on film, I was studying the film of the Atlanta Falcons water boy. And this guy is unbelievable. He carries four cups at the same time and it's four different things. It's regular water, it's Powerade, it's Gatorade, and I think he was holding a little croy. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I've never heard Drew tell me that. 
Who's Drew concerned with? Those linebackers. That's who he studies film on. Church, this enemy is real. If you want revival through this church in this city for God and his glory to the ends of the earth, he's coming. This enemy is called in scripture the prince of this world, the God of this age, the prince of demons. 52 times he's called Satan, which means adversary. 35 times devil, which means slanderer. He's that old serpent. He's the great dragon. He's the roaring lion. He's the evil one, the destroyer, the tempter, the accuser, the spirit working in the sons of disobedience. What does he do? He perverts God's word. He opposes God's work. He hinders God's servant. He tries to restrict the gospel. He snares the wicked. He deceives nations. He fights with angels. He has the whole world in his lap. He runs that system. He's the source of temptation. He's a murderer if he needs to be, a liar if he needs to be. He works publicly and he works covertly. He'll be religious if he needs to be. He'll be spiritual if he needs to be. He'll be carefree if he needs to be. He's the ruler of the demon world. He's a very old enemy and he wants to destroy God's mission. We need to stand against the devil. And as we stand against the devil, don't ever forget this, God 100% controls Satan. Even though at certain moments, Satan's like, oh, I'm gaining ground over here. He's nothing but a pawn in God's hands. God secondly uses Satan. We read throughout scripture how God allows Satan to work for the advancement of God's kingdom. And then can we just ultimately be encouraged? We know that God defeats Satan. Now, Pastor John might wanna take you through the book of Revelation. He asked if I wanted to mess with judges this weekend. I said, absolutely not. But can I just summarize the book of Revelation in my simple way? I'm gonna save you from a six year long journey through the book of Revelation. You ready? Here it comes. Jesus was, Jesus is, Jesus forever will be completely victorious. Go read Revelation chapter 20. Go read Revelation chapter 20. If you're losing some battles from Satan, just remember Jesus wins. We're called to stand against. Everybody say stand against. Number three, take up. Everybody say take up. All right, let's have some fun. Let's look at verse 13 through 17 here. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore. Do you all notice Paul keeps saying over and over, stand, 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 stand. This is our play. Stand therefore, and now check out these beautiful six pieces of armor. Having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
And if I could submit this to you, although some commentaries would tell you that some of these pieces of armor, like you should have on at all time, some of these pieces of armor you pick up during certain moments of warfare. As for me, because I am so desperate for the Holy Spirit in my life and God's power at all times, I want all six on me at all times and even before the battle. Could you imagine if those NFL football players, if Drew Brees was putting on his pads as he says, down, set, hot. It's over. This message, some of you are like, Pastor Rob, we're not in a battle anymore. We're so good, we're all this. This is not for the battle and in the moment. This is something you take up before the battle. This is prep work. You're done if you wait for the battle to dive into this. So what do we take up? Let's break down these pieces. First of all, the belt of truth is found. The belt of truth centered on the body, secures the clothing, holds everything together. Beautiful, symbolic importance of truth and truthfulness. Now I'm telling you, I could go for an entire sermon just on this piece of armor, but I think y'all might leave if I don't keep going. Jesus is the truth, and the truth will set you free. We know that truth keeps us focused and truth keeps us hopeful. It speaks to accuracy because God's word is perfect, flawless. It speaks to altitude because God's word is above when the enemy tries to get us down. We lift up God's word and he lifts up our soul. This centerpiece when you go and study Roman soldiers, just talk about the sword of the spirit. You can't keep that sword of the spirit ready and in place if you don't have the belt of truth. You can't have this breastplate of righteousness. May I submit this to you? There is no such thing as righteousness without the word of God and God's truth. So the belt of truth. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness here in this text. Righteousness, this shield of metal that was covering the vital organs. How many of y'all know you can't do a whole lot externally if internally is out of whack? And so this breastplate of righteousness is not necessarily cultivating something that's seen here. It's what's unseen. It's thanking God for the imputed righteousness of Christ. When we are saved, we are justified. Isn't that amazing to know? That when God looks upon us, when we are in Christ, he actually sees himself because we're clothed with his righteousness. But then there is a sanctifying righteousness. And can I just be honest? That takes hard work. You will never grow in the breastplate of righteousness just listening to a sermon once a week from your future pastor. This is something you've got to own. You got to cultivate. Oh, how we need this breastplate of righteousness. Next, the shoes of peace. The shoes of peace. I love these old school flip-flops with cleats. What does it speak to? It speaks to what God has given to us to protect us, and it speaks to security. I know y'all been asking yourself, Pastor Rob, are those skinny jeans? I want you to know, I've never bought a, a pair of skinny jeans a day in my life. I just got some really big legs. If I went out and bought skinny jeans, I wouldn't be able to pull them up over my calves. I'm just being honest. My whole family's South African. I was supposed to play rugby as a kid. 
Like, I'm the firstborn in my family in America. There's no way. But as powerful as my legs are, and they're pretty powerful, I've been able to squat quite a lot my entire life. I can't access that power if my feet aren't secure. You might be something. You might have a lot of talent. You might, you know, tweet out how amazing you are all the time. But if your foundation, your security is not on the good news of the gospel of peace, you ain't nothing. To put it another way, he's our commander in chief, right? So he's the one, God's battle with God's equipment, God's way. When Jesus tells us, I want you to move from New Orleans to Pittsburgh, which was part of my five-step life plan, just so that you know. I'm glad he listened to me. And when he calls you to go somewhere, my job description is very simply this. I hope you would put this as your pastor's job description in the future. Listen to Jesus and do what he says. There's no other power outside of that. Listen to Jesus, do what he says. So if Jesus has told me to go there, if my feet aren't secure, I'll actually disobey God because I'll never get to where he called me to be. How do I stay faithful to the Lord when he gives me those commands? The gospel of peace. How about this next incredible armor, piece of armor, the shield of faith? The shield of faith in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, and then it gives you a little description outside of these other pieces with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. I love the significance of the shield of faith, first of all, in regards to community. Maybe y'all don't watch these movies, I do. That movie, 300. And in the movie, 300, I was Gerard Butler's uh, body double back in the day, just to let y'all know. <laughs> y'all didn't know I rolled like that. I'm about 40 pounds heavy, but I'll get back. And uh, in that movie, 300, right, you have the shields locking in, forming this tortoise formation. Anyone willing to admit that we need each other? That there's a community side to us in this battle? Anyone thankful for this church family that you get to go into battle with? I'm not coming here for some sort of popularity contest and to add another club in my life. No, this is war. And I need my brothers and sisters in Christ to lock shields of faith. But the shield of faith that we pick up is not a faith in our own self-sufficiency. It's a faith in God. And there's a promise here in the text. When we pick up the shield of faith, it says that we have the ability when the enemy shoots his flaming arrows. Why does he shoot flaming arrows? He doesn't want to burn you alive. He wants to distract you. And if you pick up your shield of faith, you have no ability in your own power to do what God promises, which is to extinguish the flames. So you're in the battle, the enemy throws a flaming arrow, it ricochets behind you, and you keep your eye on the enemy. But what happens behind you? A fire. And now he's distracted you. And when he distracts you, that's when you go down. 
I don't want to pick up my shield of faith. I want to pick up the shield of faith that God has given me. Because when I pick that up, not only do I block that arrow from destroying me, but it extinguishes the distractions. That's why I believe in a number of things that we do to help people. We have a beautiful drug and alcohol recovery ministry that started grassroots within our church. But may I submit this to you, we're not just doing some steps. We're leading people to Jesus. For ultimately, nothing in this world will actually save you from this world. Only Jesus can. The next is the helmet of salvation. I pray that you know, that you know, that you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Isn't it amazing to know that five students confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? 20 plus students celebrated that decision this week through believer's baptism. And I challenge those students, we gotta be public. We gotta be public, why? Believe it or not, you're not always gonna feel like a Christian. We're online for 27 weeks. As we came back as a church, I'm just going to confess to you, I don't always feel like preaching. Sometimes I wanted to stay home and watch myself online. <laughs> I know that makes me sound like a terrible person, but I don't always want to do this. So why do I need to have a public moment of my salvation? Because when the enemy tries the helmet of salvation to mess with my mind, Uh-uh. I know that I know that I know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. Be gone in the name of Jesus, Satan. The last one is the sword of the Spirit. And this sword of the Spirit is really the only one from defense to offense, but we don't go chasing we stand against, and so go back to 300. Toward his formation, it opens up, whoo, back. Isn't this what Jesus did when he was being tempted by Satan? What did he counterattack Satan's attacks with? The word of God. Not, let me tell you how awesome our church is. The word of God, for the word of God is powerful and it's active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces souls, it changes life. God's word will not ever return void. I have no idea what I'm doing in Pittsburgh, but what I do know, if I will just keep faithfully preaching God's word, God's word will not return void. You can't afford, church, to wake up and read your newspaper first. Open up this sword of the Spirit. Everybody say, take up. We close with keep alert. Now tell that person that's falling asleep, keep alert. And I don't know about you, but when I go through these, having the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace, take up the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. Man, I get a little surprised by what Paul shares with us. I mean, I'm ready to charge hell with a water pistol. I'm ready for some full contact. 
Best thing ever happened to one of my twins right here this past year in football. First time they ever played tackle football. First set of downs, this dude plows over a bunch of whole bunch of Pittsburgh kids. We're teaching them how to play football up there. Scores a touchdown. I guess he thought this is gonna be easy. He gets on defense, he's a linebacker, and out of nowhere, he gets blindside blocked and concussed and knocked out of the game. As daddy, I was excited. Why? Because he learned to keep his head on a swivel. Some of y'all are going to lose a battle this week because you're actually going to leave this place and not anticipate a battle. And that's when he gets you. But when Paul says to keep alert, I mean, as I'm ready for some full contact, I'm a little surprised by what he talks about. Let's look at it in verse 18. Praying. Really, Paul? I mean, this is what we're going to do? Pray? Can I please punch someone in the name of Jesus? And if you haven't thought about that, you're not a real Christian. I always want to punch people in the name of Jesus. But prayer? John Wesley said this, prayer is where the action is. Prayer is where the action is. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. See, God's a saints fan right there. <laughs> Who that? Why would he be a buccaneer? He's a saints fan. And also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Listen, there is some action but prayers first before we speak. I am nothing here if I've not prayed up before here. You're nothing out there if you haven't prayed up before there. As the band comes up to pad quietly under my closing illustration because when the band plays keys and I talk I sound a lot more spiritual than when there's not keys and so if you wouldn't mind start playing so I sound more spiritual <laughs> um, as the, the band's getting ready let me share an illustration of what God taught me about prayer it was the year after Hurricane Katrina hit the city of New Orleans. At that time, God had been moving in a powerful way on our seminary campus and in our city through prayer. And God somehow in his sovereignty scattered us all over the country and I found myself with a deep burden and call to come back after Hurricane Katrina to help be a part of the rebuilding of the city spiritually and physically. But in this season where I'm just kind of like, God, why and what's going on? I get a phone call from my mentor and the friend that had been leading me at that time. His name's Dr. David Platt, and he was the dean of chapel. And he calls me and a guy named Robbie Gallaty up, and he says, hey, guys, God's given us an opportunity to go train pastors in Indonesia. But I want you to know that two weeks before this, there have been some Christians who were killed for the gospel of Jesus. And so this is going to be a risky trip. Me and Robbie said yes to the mission. And we fly over to Indonesia with Dr. Platt and his brother. And the assignment was very simply, Rob and Robbie, you guys teach the undergrad students. And Dr. Platt was going to preach to the graduate students. 
Guys, it was so humbling. These seminary students that we poured into, you know what their requirement was for seminary to get their degree? They had to not only pass all their classes, they had to successfully lead in a new area of Indonesia, 50 people to Jesus, and then plant a church, and then they got their degree. <laughs> I came there and just let them talk. We got through all our curriculum quick, and then through a translator, we were like, please, tell us stories. And the stories we heard just were so inspiring, these heroes of the faith. And we really didn't see much happen, but day two, we come back from a day of teaching, and as we pull up to our hotel, there is this really large mob of people that are coming towards us. Our guide that is overseeing our trip panics, flies into the hotel, tells us to sprint up to our rooms, to lock the doors, and to not come out until he came to get us. So I gotta set the picture with you. David Platt now is into CrossFit. Back then, he was a skinny dude. He was worthless to me. I mean, David's not gonna be able to help me do anything. Robbie Gallaty, one of the top drug dealers in the city of New Orleans before he came to know Christ, a master jiu-jitsu fighter, six foot seven, almost 300 pounds. When we kind of put a chair up against the door, I look at Robbie and I said, Robbie, I need to learn jiu-jitsu now! And so I might be exaggerating just a little bit. He chops a bed in half. He forms weapons, starts teaching me, and we're having this like gladiator moment. And we turn, and David Platt is by his bed in prayer. <laughs> I told you I'm not that good of a Christian. But God taught me a very important lesson that day. May I submit this to you, First Baptist Naples, if you today are far from God and you would say, there's no way God would ever love me, there's no way that God would ever accept me, I want you to know, pray to God for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you are here, First Baptist Naples, and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ greater than anything a future pastor could ever bring to you, you have our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you would humble yourself and pray, I promise you that God, by the power of His Holy Spirit, will empower you to be strong, to take up, to stand against to keep alert for God, his kingdom, and his glory. Oh, what the church would be and do if we truly walked with the spiritual armor of God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Right now, if you're ready to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I invite you when we sing this song to come. But if you're ready to respond right now, you just can't hold it in, I wanna invite you right now to respond publicly by raising your hand. If you've prayed to receive Jesus Christ or you wanna give your life to Jesus right now, boldly lift up your hand. Anybody here? Praise God, I see a hand. Anybody else? 
Anybody else? Receive Jesus as Lord and Savior right now. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Salvation is here. For some of you, you know Jesus, but you would say, you know what? I need this spiritual armor of God. I want to take up before the battle. I want to fight God's battle with God's equipment, God's way, no matter what comes my way. And you would just say, Pastor Rob, pray for me as I right now take up. If that's you here tonight, would you lift up a hand? I want to pray for you. Praise God. Praise God, praise God. And so Lord Jesus, let's stand to our feet, church. Lord Jesus, as we sing to you and as we close out this service and as if we've got Presbyterians that meet for worship on Saturday nights, may we beat them to restaurants. But before we do, <laughs> Lord Jesus, may we deal with you here in this place. May we not miss out on this moment, this moment of battle prep so that we might leave this place to truly live the gospel, serve the city, and be the church. And so, Lord Jesus, we give you all glory and praise, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.